forever. Dog. Hey folks, it's me, Ben Blacker, the creator and host of The Writer's Panel. Thanks for listening. It's 2023. Things are weird. It definitely feels like a storm is coming. Folks are out pitching. Folks are making shows. I'm glad there's some life in this business. Um, But it feels weird out there. People, especially new writers, um, folks who have just broken in, and people like me, um, sort of the, the middle class of writers, are very uncertain. Feels bad. I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about it. I talk about it on these next few episodes of the podcast uh, with my guests who have great perspective. Um, They're all good writers and good people, and I think you'll enjoy these upcoming episodes. Um, I'm writing. I feel like that's that's the thing to do. Um, You know, at this point, we have a backlog of material, but we're really proud of all of it um, and would love to find a home for it, but we'll see. We'll see what things look like in the next few months. Um, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm making a lot of pizza. I got to walk for Christmas. I've been really enjoying that. Not for pizza, for making other food. <laughs> um, those have been giving me great creative satisfaction, um, even as I hammer away at some scripts that I really want to write. Um, I've also really enjoyed writing this weekly newsletter. I hope you'll check it out. Uh, if you don't already, um, you can find it at benblacker.substack.com. Um, and it's been really fun. I love the little community that's popping up around this newsletter and hearing from the same uh, folks who are breaking into the business or who are in the business. Um, in the comments and in my emails and stuff, it's it's really cool. Um, and And I've loved sort of like working stuff out in this newsletter um in in january i wrote all about process um and what what the process is like some real nuts and bolts stuff um what the process is for some established writers i've talked to over the years and then what my process is um the most fun thing has been the monthly q a sessions with professional writers and it's been just a terrific like people are coming out for this it's so much fun um we just had one with uh the you creator and showrunner sarah gamble who was also my boss at supernatural um but we had uh jane espenson uh akayla cooper who, who wrote megan and has been on the star trek shows and she's writing a ton of really fun cool horror movies um gosh They've just been they've been so uh, enlightening and and like getting to you know we've had like ten to fifteen subscribers show up to each of these um, they're for, only for paid subscribers of the the newsletter uh, and we've had like ten or fifteen folks show up and and everyone's gotten to ask their questions and and talk to these pro writers and get advice and and sort of connect so I highly recommend it. Um, I hope you will subscribe to benblacker.substack.com and become a paid subscriber and join these Q&As. Uh, you both get the the access to these Zoom meetings, but you also get the recordings later if you can't make it. And they're well worth listening to. I'm not going to put any of them out as a podcast for at least a year. Um, and so the only way to hear those and the only way to participate is to become a paid subscriber 
benblacker.substack.com. I think it's worth it. <laughs> I'm maybe biased, um, but I think it's worth it, and I'm enjoying doing it. And honestly, I'm learning a lot about my own process and the things I'm concerned about in the industry, even as I write these weekly newsletters. Uh, hopefully, you'll get something out of them, too. Come by and sample. If you like what you see, become a paid subscriber. Um, it's all really helpful, especially in these uncertain times. Thank you, as always, for listening. Please enjoy uh, these next few months of shows. I think they're some of the best, some great folks with some really good advice. Um, I really enjoyed talking to all these people. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah! Thank you both for being here. Um, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, but first, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourselves on the microphone so the listener knows what you sound like. Uh, tell us who you are and where they may have seen your name on their television screen or elsewhere uh, in the past. And Jay, let's start with you. Uh, thanks. Uh, I'm Jay Ferber. Uh, I write TV and comic books. Uh, on the television side, I've written on Supergirl and Zoo and Ringer and Starcrossed and my comics. Uh, I do most of my work at Image Comics these days. I wrote on Copperhead and Elsewhere and I have a book out now through Oni Press called uh, Area 510. Oh, cool. Thanks. Uh, and Allie. Hi, um, I'm Allie Vingiano. I wrote most recently on The Morning Show for several seasons. Um, and before that, I worked in late night comedy on a show called The Opposition with Jordan Klepper. And if you're Gen Z, maybe when you were in middle school, you saw me in a lot of BuzzFeed videos. I used to write <laughs> and direct and produce and act in um, BuzzFeed motion pictures. Well, really just BuzzFeed video. Um, <laughs> and uh, I also starred in a movie in 2021 called The End of Us that went to South by that was through BuzzFeed as well. So um, that's where that's where you've seen me. You both do it all. Um, and this is <laughs> this is actually something I wanted to talk about because I think like, you know, I've had a similar sort of career where like you, you're you doing a ton of things and a lot of it is writing and a lot of it is producing and a lot of it is other stuff. Um, but I want to talk about that, that process of breaking in while you are doing other work and kind of known for other work and both how that is good and bad. And, and Jay, let's start with you on this because for sure I knew you as a comic book writer well before a TV writer. And I think you were doing that for a good decade at least, right? Yeah. 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 I was writing comics for a long time. Uh, I loved television. Um, I'm good friends with Brian Vaughn and he broke in on Lost. And right. that was sort of my light bulb moment of, I, I had sort of convinced myself that, you know, I'm a real writer. Like, I don't want to be in a writer's room. I, I want to sit alone at my keyboard <laughs> and, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, but really I was just chicken. And, and didn't want to, to try and fail. Um, but I finally convinced myself I had to try or I would regret it. And so I wrote a spec and applied to all the writers programs and got into Warner Brothers. And that was my big, that was my gateway into TV writing was the Warner Brothers workshop. Uh, and that, uh, the I know you guys have talked about that on the show, but it, it's a boot camp for writers. 
Uh, they helped try to staff you on Warner Brothers shows, and that got me on to Ringer. Uh, uh, but it has been a bit challenge, maybe too strong a word, but because I write comic books and because comic books are still so associated with superheroes, I do tend to get thought of as like a superhero fantasy sci-fi guy, which I am to a degree, but I also really love mysteries and thrillers, which uh, isn't, doesn't really track with a lot of my resume. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, I think like anyone who follows you on Twitter or social media knows that like you're the yes, Columbo guy, <laughs> you're the, the uh, Magnum guy. Like you talk about exactly. these sort of classic TV shows um, and it feels like that's that's your brand so much more than yeah. superhero stuff. It, I mean, it's almost, yes, I've, I've I mean, I uh, obviously I don't shut up about it, but I'm not shy about it also <laughs> because otherwise I get defaulted to like the superhero <laughs> guy, which yeah. again, it, not a problem, big problem to have, but uh, you know, I, I want to position myself more for those kinds of gigs. Well, let's, we'll, we'll pick that up in a second. Cause I want to talk about that. Um, Ali, I want to ask the same question. You know, you sort of came up on this performing and production end and like, how do you translate that to writing and, and getting even more so getting people to see you as a writer? Interesting. Yeah. I started, um, you know, I studied film in school a little bit. I didn't go to film school, but I took classes mm -hmm. at my liberal arts school and directing and editing um, especially was crucial. Um, directing, producing, editing, writing. And so when I started, I was at UCB writing and performing and just started making short films with anyone who had a camera or who wanted to, you know, spend the, their weekend doing that. And um writing, producing these these shorts and these sketch videos sort of started my whole career because people started paying attention to them and they started going viral. And um, that got me into some media companies work like BuzzFeed and Glamour and Condé Nast and doing some web series for them. So I was just at a point where I was like, I, I knew I wanted to work in TV and I had no idea how to get there. Um, I felt like I needed a backup plan. So I was also a journalist at this time writing. And so I, a backup plan. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like I couldn't just move to Hollywood and like, I just didn't, had no idea what to yeah. do. So I was sort of like, and I knew I wanted to be a creator, like mm -hmm. more than anything I wanted to. So I was like, if I can direct, if I can write, I'm just going to go do it now instead of going to work for someone and working my way up until I was just, I just wanted to use every skill I had, every skill I'd learned to try to start making stuff because I didn't know how to do it and I didn't know how to get to TV. So I was just like, I'm going to, yeah, sure. I'll edit my own stuff. I'll throw it up there. I'll do whatever I can that I know how to do. Um, but writing was always the goal. And when I was working at Buzzfeed, I, as a journalist um, and doing UCB and comedy on the side, I sort of saw late night as my out. I saw it. I sort of, I didn't want it. I wanted scripted, but I saw it as the most, the easiest way because I was like, I have a background in journalism. I've written, you know, about politics and I also am making short films and doing UCB yeah. and, you know, um, so the funny thing is I was hired as late night as a field producer. So I was hired as someone who, um, because of my production background, they saw me useful in this role where I could write and direct and produce these correspondent field mm -hmm. segments. And ultimately when I got hired for morning show, it was a huge 
help because not only had I made dramatic short films that had similar content to, you know, the Me Too content of the morning show and had writing sample for that, but I also had a background in production and journalism. And they were specifically looking for someone who had a background in journalism and production who could help write the show within the show content, who could produce it on set in addition to being in the writer's room and writing scripts. So that was such a unique transition. People ask me all the time, how'd you go, you know, how'd you end up on morning show? And it was like, I had a very specific set of skills that they were looking for yeah like the perfect storm yeah absolutely it was like right place right time they my agent told me they're gonna hire you or like nobody (laughs) there's nobody else wow that is amazing (laughs) do you still aspire like do you still have directing ambitions or, or is it just writing from here on out for you i i do i think directing for me is um for example, I'm t- I'm taking out a feature now as the writer director, and because oh, cool. I have this background, when I you know connected with the studio I'm working with, and I said I wanted to direct it, they were immediately supportive. They didn't doubt. I did oh, meet awesome. with some producers who were like, "We should attach a bigger director who can get this made." And <laughs> but ultimately, who I went with was someone who really believed in it. So I definitely do want to direct. Um, that's something I think about still. Well, it's out there now. That's awesome. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um. You mentioned sort of this this right time, right place. Um, and, and I wanted to talk to both of you about that. I mean, Jay, despite, you know, sort of resisting the TV writing career that you actually wanted. Um, yeah. And then, you know, once you got through the WB program, I like they helped place you in that first job. But after that, it's up to you. Um, yes. And it feels like if people are looking at you as the superhero guy, then, you know, it took you a few years to get to Supergirl. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me about the, that middle time when, you know, you were, you were still new, you were still breaking in. Yeah. Yeah. That middle time, you know, after Ringer got canceled, uh, the, the uh, Chris Mack, who was head of the Warner brothers writers workshop at that time did help me uh, get onto Star Cross, another CW mm-hmm. show. Uh, you know, he was a big supporter and, and uh, cheerleader. Uh, and I, I just bonded with, uh, Meredith Averill, the showrunner and creator. Uh, we're both from Pennsylvania. And, uh, I think during our meeting, she had a, a, a pillow. I think it was the, it, it was a Cylon, I think, uh, <laughs> pillow or something. And, and we both nerded out about Battlestar Galactica. Uh, <laughs> and, and that, uh, I don't know if that's what got me the job, but, uh, but we really hit it off. And, uh, and then Zoo was, it was based on a James Patterson novel, but the approach to the show was very comic book e. It was very mm. uh, just big ideas, big crazy stuff, larger than life characters, jokes, action, uh, and so it really played to my sensibilities. Uh, and then when Supergirl came along, that felt like sort of the perfect storm. I was hired on that uh, specifically because, like, their resident you know, comic book nerd uh, was, wasn't returning and, and they needed to kind of fill that gap. Uh, and so that's why I was brought in there. And that's interesting. So, I mean, it, it feels like so much of both of your journeys till now have been about like presenting yourself in the right way to the people who can give you opportunities. I mean, mm. as you as you make your way now through the business, 
and want to do different things or whether it's direct or whether it's, you know, <laughs> write, write mysteries. Like, Jay, there's no reason you shouldn't be on Poker Face. Like, you are built for that show. So, like, I want to ask about, it's kind of branding yourself, but that's kind of the gross way to right. talk about it. But how do you start to present yourself in a different way? I ask that to well, both of you. Here's, I have a very specific example of that because mm-hmm. there was a show that was right up my alley, perfect for the kind of show I wanted to write. Uh, the creators knew of my interest in that kind of thing, reached out to me to see if I was available. I sent them a sample and ultimately it came down to uh, the show had a, a, a comedic element to it that none of my samples had. Hmm. And I realized like much to my you know chagrin, I was like, crap. And, and it's, it was sort of a light bulb moment for me because when I'm on a show and I'm on a staff, I'm frequently pitching jokes and writing jokes in the scripts, but my own pilots for some reason were devoid of that. I, I, I don't know why. It was like a blind spot and that cost me a job. And so like almost immediately after that, I was like, I need a sample with humor that can show off the kind of banter and quips that I like so much. And it's kind of malpractice for me to say, I love this stuff and not have a sample that demonstrates that. So I, the next sample I wrote, the next pilot I wrote was specifically designed (laughs) uh, to, to have that tone. And so I can have that, uh, you know, we haven't sold it or anything, but it, it was really written to, to be a sample for that sort of thing. That's it's funny. so interesting because, you know, specs aren't really in fashion anymore, but I think about this cause I'm writing a sample now too. And it's, um, for a similar reason, I just wanted an updated piece of writing that shows something else. Yeah. But when you're writing in a room, the job is to write for someone else's voice. So of course you can write comedy right. and, and if you're in a room and they're asking for comedy pitches and you're going to, you know, but when you're writing your own sample at home or writing your own work that you love in your voice, it might not be what's natural to you. And it's yeah. this fr- it's it's a it's a weird process with staffing because it's like, well, you're just writing what I want. You're just reading what I wanted to write when I wrote this. You're not reading <laughs> my full potential as a person in the yes. room who's writing for your voice. Yeah, I do sort of sometimes feel like specs show more of what's necessary to staff. But absolutely, and yeah, listen, yeah. I've been I've been banging this drum for a while. Um, <laughs> You know, I think there's so much value in writing a spec of an existing show because you have to reverse engineer that show and see what makes it tick. And that helps you in your own stuff, too. Um, Jay, did you have to write a spec? Did you write specs starting Uh, out? To to get into the Warner Brothers program, yeah, I wrote a spec of Burn Notice and and that got me in there. Uh, And it was also, you know, years, I mean, just I think last year, maybe, uh, there was some Twitter, you know, prompt going around about post the first page of your mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I posted the first page of this burn notice spec. It was like 10 years old at that point. And Matt Nix chimed in and was like, that's spot on. Like you captured the voice. <laughs> like I was blown away. That's uh, awesome. So it, uh, that was very validating. That's great. And, and Allie, you're, you're much younger than we are, but uh, did, <laughs> Specs had sort of gone out of fashion by the time you were breaking in. Did you ever have to write one or did you write one? I've never written one ever. 
So I think about it after being in morning show, you know, in the morning show room, um, because that was the first time I was really writing for someone else's voice. And I actually loved it. It made me be like, oh, this is the job. This is such a fun job. Like, I can't (laughs) wait to keep doing this. And, you know, so I also never thought when I would sit down to write my own work, I'm a very personal writer. I write, um, you know, like pretty like quiet character driven female you know character uh poignant stuff and then I was like oh I can just write about a bunch of assholes in a newsroom like I can <laughs> I can make the, you know it just inspired me to the to the depths of the characters I could create and creating people who aren't like the people in my own life and so yeah. I think just now like I don't think it would be useful for me to write a spec, but I almost wish that I almost sure. want to just for the <laughs> exercise of it. Something I've been tempted to do. There are like those stunt specs that I think are fun. Yeah. Like there was the one a couple of years ago about like the, the 9-11 Seinfeld episode. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I knew a guy who wrote a spec that was uh, sort of, a, it was a Sex in the City Sopranos crossover mm-hmm. that like Christopher and and one of the women knew each other or something. And like that, I've always been sort of tempted by because it's <laughs> it's it's stunty, but you're also having to capture the yeah. tone of maybe two shows. Uh, yeah, and it's a fun challenge. I and would do that if exercise, I. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun exercise. Like if you're staffed and bored, but otherwise, I'm like, it's actually hard <laughs> exactly. to write this stuff. Like yeah. this is actually yes. so much yes. work. It, that's why I've never done it. Is I'm like, I can't justify this hobby (laughs) (laughs) that's a good point uh ali i wanted to talk about like getting that job on on um the show and having to write in someone's voice for the first time and as much as it was like must have been fun and freeing for you there had to be challenges too you hadn't done that although i imagine there was some you know serving the klepper voice on on that show so so tell me a little bit about that yeah absolutely there there definitely was a big like what's the voice of the show on klepper and we talked about that a lot so that was good a good warm-up um yeah And honestly, I think I got lucky because I wrote episode nine. And so um, I'd been in the room for a very long time. I'd read a lot of scripts. We'd already started production. So I, and I got to be on set. So I did feel very comfortable writing with these characters. And um, by the time I wrote my episode, that was not like, like it was sure it was, it was exciting and and I was, you know, nervous, but um, I felt like. I was able to do it more so than the writers who got to write the earlier episodes. So I felt like I was set up to succeed in that way. The harder thing was learning how to pitch in someone's voice. It's not just writing, right? You also have to think, what is this person going to respond to? And you have to sort of every day go in and learn about them. So it's like, okay, she likes this sort of pitch. Okay, she doesn't respond to this sort of character work. Okay, like, you know, it's that constant day-to-day thinking about how does someone else think about story? How does someone else build build their characters and build their story? Yeah, and it's about what they want the show to be, not what you want the show to be. Like that is something that, that can still be frustrating to this day is when you're like, I had to give you better this way, but I know that the boss wants it that way. So that's the mission is to, to, to build towards what they want. Was that, um, that must've been an enormous learning curve for you, Jay, on, on some of those early shows. Yeah, it, it was, it was a learning curve. And, and also the, 
when we talk about uh, you know writing in someone else's voice, oh, it was eye-opening to me that that means not just that the characters have to sound consistent, but literally the way you write the script has to be like in the style of the showrunner. Like, are they a, uh, uh, you know, do they write cut two at the end of every scene or not? Do they use uh, two spaces after the period or not? Like, when do they capitalize? When do they italicize? All that stuff, you know, I gradually realized like, oh, this or these are the things that you also have to mimic and copy. Uh, and I was on one show where we didn't do that, where everybody's scripts just looked different. And no wow. one really seemed to care. And it was, yeah, it was, a, it was a little shocking to me that it was that kind of, I was just like, I, I, I need order. Like, what <laughs> the space thing is so real. The, like, I, there was like two spaces yeah. after each period and I didn't do that in my first draft. I, I don't know if, I think the script coordinator fixed it for me. Um, yeah. But yep. yeah, it's like picking up on those things and like how flowery are the action lines? And like, uh, you know, right. for us, for me, it was like, okay, she loves metaphor. So it's like making sure that I have metaphors and everything I write, just like little things like that. Yes. So interesting. What I mean, Jay, you came into Supergirl. Uh, how how deep into the run? Uh, I came in on season five, and okay. uh, season six was our last season. So I did the last two seasons. So this was like, I mean, this is you know similar to when Ben and I joined Supernatural was in season seven, and like this yeah. thing is a machine. Like they yeah. know what their scripts look like. They've also done a hundred at least episodes of right. story. So tell me about pitching in that yeah. room. It was, that was where I even, you know, I, I came in as a, I, I think producer level and I still had a little trouble adjusting to, uh, you know, what I wanted the show to be versus what the show was mm -hmm. in terms mm -hmm. of like, I wanted more comic book stuff. I wanted guest appearances by other superheroes and, and all the nerdy comic stuff. <laughs> uh, but that's not really what the show was. You know, the show was about these characters, not about guest stars, not about, you know, deep dives into DC continuity and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and so I, I had to really, it, it was really on day one where we were told to like come in with big pitches for the season and stuff. And I realized very quickly as we started going around the room, oh, the stuff I came in with, they are not going to want to do. Because I was like, let's bring in more Legion of Superheroes and let's do this. And uh, yeah, that was not uh, not what they were doing. <laughs> uh, were you the was, only... It was, you know, they... Sorry. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Were you the only new writer that year? No, uh, no it was me and another guy named Jay Holcomb were both brought in as, as like the comic book nerds. Uh, and I don't know if he had the same... Uh, 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 yeah learning curve is too strong a word but i'm not sure if he struggled with that as well but uh but we you know we both got on very well yeah you you adjust you figure it out um the other yeah. thing i wanted to ask uh both of you about and and ali i think you can speak to this um after you know coming off of a few seasons of writing someone else's show how does that affect your own writing what do you learn or how does it change it really does affect your writing. It felt I felt like I had to take a step back and um because certain things are just habits from being in a room for that long and you have to take a step back and be like, "Okay, wait, but is this actually the way I want to write or is this just a habit from someone yeah. else's writing?" Um so yeah, it was difficult, but I think in so many ways it did make me a better writer, especially with breaking story. I mean, once you're in a writer's room and you have that experience of breaking as a group and 
um, you get to learn from, again, how other people's brain works and how brains work and how they break story and how they think about their character work and their, um, yeah, I just felt like I learned so much, not only from the showrunner, but just from everybody else in the room. So when I went back to write my own stuff, I definitely had to be like, okay, I'm just writing in this voice of the morning show still <laughs> um and sort of take a step back and be like let me read some other scripts you know let me watch some other shows let me reconnect to my early work my sample that i wrote for the show and see the way that i actually write yeah. but i felt like i learned a lot too did you uh did you write your script solo on the morning show or did you guys co-write we co-wrote we co-wrote okay. every script. So I wrote three halves yep. of a script. Yeah, that's how it was on Supergirl as well. Yeah. Everything was co-written. And on Zoo, for the, we did three seasons. And two out of the three seasons, seasons two and three, everything was co-written as well. And that was that's also a learning curve as well. Because you're, you're writing with somebody else and having to, you know, do you divide up the first half and the back half? Or do you split? you know different storylines and everybody works differently and it's it's it can be tricky like i kept coming off supergirl i was so eager to just write something by myself <laughs> for it had been so long i'm sure have you ever heard of that front half back half thing did you guys do that that sounds so stressful to uh, me yeah yeah no i've done that a number of times wow. where where you would like somebody would take teaser and X one and two and somebody else would take three, four, five, and you just split them up like that. And in fact, I think that's probably how I've done it most often. Actually. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. And to then me. other, and, and even sometimes on some shows I've done it where like, you know, if I was that sort of junior of the two writers, the, the more experienced, like I'll take teaser one, and five and i would write two three and four or something and so it, it it i've divided it up so many different ways uh and then i think there was one episode where the storylines were like the a and b stories were so separate and were sort mm -hmm. of comparable in length that we did divide it up that way yeah. uh, so i've i've i think come at it every way you can at this point i think that latter way is is what I've heard of more than anything else. Was that what it was on yeah. morning show, Allie? Yeah, for the morning show, we would split by storyline. Yeah. So, and if there were intersecting storylines, we would combine and, you know, just divvy it up based on about the length. Um, so we were each writing about 30, 25 or 30 pages, but only ever by storyline. And I think the way that, the reason why I think that works, or at least when I did it, was because you get to stay with those characters and build the story. So that's why I freaked out right. when I heard that you split them by <laughs> you know, act, because I was like, well, sometimes you discover things in the writing and things change. Yes. And I guess you just call someone and you're like, hey, yep. this is the change I'm making. So track that yeah. in the back half of the script. Um, but for us, like we getting to stay with those characters, I felt like made that, in, uh, you know, it felt like you, you could you could write it. It was, it was easier. And I imagine coming in halfway yeah. could be hard to really drop into yeah. the character. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we always had a pretty strict, you know, beat sheet and then an outline. And, and so it was, it was usually fairly well broken by the time we yeah. were off to script. So there wasn't that much discovery to be made, but there always were, there'd be jokes and callbacks and that kind of stuff that we would, you know, have to smooth out and team up on. Yeah. I, I will that say could, that was that the could thing. be the difference. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think <laughs> the thing about those CW shows and um, 
the Berlanti shows too is like those are outlined within an inch of their lives. So everybody, yeah. there's so many entities involved, so everybody knows exactly what this yep. show is going to be, and it actually makes the writing process, the scripting process, so quick. Um, and yes, you do get to discover yeah, things, but they're details. And and by the time I came on the Supergirl, we no longer submitted. Like we didn't have to submit outlines to the studio or the network. We would wow. submit a story doc and then we'd just go off to script. But we still did an outline. Mm-hmm. It's funny, they didn't call it what did we call it? I can't I'm blanking on the name now. They didn't call it an outline, but it was an outline. It, yeah. it, it, it was, you know, slug lines, describe the scenes, uh, and it, it was just internally so that the showrunners could sign off on that before we went off. So it, it wasn't required by the studio, but we still did it internally and it, it did make things much easier. When you two are now uh, writing on your own, you're generating new material. Does your process look like that? Do you outline what, what does it look like uh, from, you know, the idea generating part to the script part? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm someone who's very, um, inspired like when I have an idea I just I get so excited and I want to sit down and I want to write the scene or I want to write the story um but I've had enough experience at this point where I know that when I do that I'll stop 10 20 pages in whatever and be like what the hell is the story so I do really try now to extensively outline um sometimes I don't sometimes I outline and then I get it so excited I want to start writing and then I have to sort of go back to the outline but um you know it's so clear from both my being in a writer's room from the my teaching at script anatomy from my own work that breaking the story is the hard part and that's where you need to really do the work and if you set yourself up for success writing should be the easiest part of the process um, but I, I am one of those weird, weird writers who likes to write. And so sometimes I'm like, I'll figure it out in the story. I'll figure it out in the writing. Um, so I don't really have a clear process. I sort of take it project by project. Yeah. Which I think is not uncommon. And I've, I've found myself sort of doing that too. Like I used to be so beholden to that outline process, but it's what's right for the project. Um, Jay, yeah. what about you? I mean, you've, you've had to do all the preliminary work when you're on staff. Does that change right. when it, you approach your own stuff? Uh, it didn't used to. For, for a while, I mean, generally I outline just because uh, my stuff tends to be plotty. And, and I, I like, you know, pay, and, and I, think, I, I think part of the reason I outline is that uh, I think my weakness is our endings. And so I want to make sure that that ending works, and then so it's 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 planned out. But on that uh, sample I mentioned earlier, the, the one that I wanted really to have that comedic voice, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't outline that. I just sort of I had a rough idea of what it was, and I just started writing and just sort of made it up as I went along and discovered things. And a couple of times I'd have to circle back or think a little bit ahead, uh, but it 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 was fun. It 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 felt like the way I would write like in high school and college <laughs> before I knew better. Yeah. Uh, and it, it worked. I mean, it, it is, it's, uh, you know, it ends on a cliffhanger, so I didn't have to pay anything off. I think that was <laughs> uh, but, um, uh, but, but that was the first time in a long time that I've sort of loosened up a little bit and let myself work that way. And I think I'll do it a little bit more. I mean, I, I'll probably going forward, do kind of a more of a hybrid approach of like Ali was talking about of, of sort of right when you're feeling it, and then when you get stuck, then you have to outline for a bit. Then you can circle back to the thing that excites you. 
Yeah. That, that's the beauty of it is that there is no process that we have to be holding to when we're not on a staff. Yeah. yeah. And it's inspiring to me to hear that worked for you writing your sample without <laughs> I'm like, yes, I can do it because yeah. I, I, you know, I do think the number one thing I learned from being on staff is how helpful an outline is. And when I did write my first independent, you know, piece, which is my feature, um, I, 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 that was after I'd been staffed. That was the first thing I wrote after being staffed on morning show. And I outlined so much and I like did all of the, you know, here's the, the 22 steps of storytelling book. I like wrote down my 22 steps and I had a very extensive <laughs> outline and writing it was, um, a lot easier. And I think in a writer's room, before you get to a writer's room, I think some people don't realize when they, when you say an outline, I think people think like, okay, so you write down like a few, the beats and it's a page or two. Right. And I'm like, no, we wrote like 20, 25 page, yeah. like very detailed outlines. When, when I was on zoo, our outlines got so detailed that the studio asked us like, please make these shorter. Like we, we don't have time. <laughs> To, to read these because they were they were like 24 25 pages and they would have uh scott rosenberg uh was very involved on that season and he's known for his dialogue and so our outlines were sort of in his voice and there would be a lot of sample dialogue and stuff and it made scripting a breeze yeah. but it was just killing the studio <laughs> and so they were like please like 12 pages maximum and then you know that made writing the scripts uh, a little more challenging so hard yeah <laughs> Yeah. Come on, what are you guys getting paid for? Maybe these execs <laughs> yeah. can read those outlines. Also, like exactly. this, this ensures that you don't have to read so many drafts of the script. Yeah. Right. Right. That's really true. Um, and there's no I, better feeling than pasting that outline into a final draft document and having like, <laughs> oh, I've got 25 pages of script already. Yeah. I'm filling in holes here. This is great. I'm reformatting. Yeah. Right. Um, the first day is just the reformatting day. Yeah, absolutely. That counts as work. Um, <laughs> yeah, Ali, you had mentioned the the you know twenty two uh, steps for for storytelling. I was asked recently about um, the McKee book and Save the Cat, and people want to know. And this used to be a, a good discussion that would, went on on Twitter when you know we could all be happily on Twitter. Um, <laughs> You know, can can you both speak to the value of these how-to books and and you know what to take and what not to take? The value of it for me was that I didn't go to film school. I mm -hmm. didn't um, study. You know, I took a screenwriting class in, in my like I said earlier at a liberal arts school, but I felt. Um, really when I was at BuzzFeed and I was writing videos and the videos were doing really well. And I was thinking in terms of endings to story, I was, that's features were much more natural to me. Um, I, you know, or, or short films, of course. And I felt like all of a sudden I had to write it, you know, t started to write TV and didn't know what I was doing and felt like I was competing with people who'd had, you know, teachers who were working writers, giving them notes from the time they were 19. And I just went to this USC, NYU. I went to all the um, top, I guess, colleges for screenwriting. Um, went to their websites and or just Googled syllabuses. Yeah. Syllabi is the correct word um, for the college <laughs> courses I couldn't take. And I found John Truby's The Anatomy of Story. And that book did change my life. It's still a screenwriting book. It's not a pilot writing book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but a lot of the lessons can be transferred 
And I also read some, you know, before I, when I got staffed on morning show, I, I read, um, inside the, oh, I, I have the book, um, like the TV inside, like the TV drama room, or it, okay, it's a book yeah. about, cause I just wanted to feel super prepared. And I, I feel like the value of it is if you don't know structure and you're submitting to these festivals, you're trying to get staffed. That's the thing that will stand out the most because you're competing with people who really have learned structure um, in an academic way. And that I think to a showrunner, if you, if they, if they read your work or to a, to a competition, you know, mm-hmm. reader, um, even if you have great character work and great dialogue, I think the number one thing people are looking for from a younger writer, besides your point of view on the world and your theme and what your, your unique point of view is, is structure. And so I just think it's, I just think learn it if you don't know it. I think buy a book, teach yourself. I think it's so valuable. And then once you get to the point in your career where you're confident, you don't have to think about structure, then throw it out and do your own thing, right? Like that's yeah. what I loved yeah. about films this year. It's like everything, everywhere, yeah. all at once. Triangle of Sadness. Like there, there's a John Palti Goldman, if you're watching that show. There's so many cool things right now that sort of like show that there's a a different approach to structure that's possible. Mm -hmm. But I think the books were very, are are valuable and can be very valuable for people who don't have that like access, you know, easy Mm -hmm. access into the industry. Absolutely. It's my monologue. Yeah. I agree with, (laughs) I agree with all of that. Uh, I also, and I still like, I'm uh, my sort of hobby project, is a, a mystery novel that I'm slowly working on. And I, you know, got Save the Cat for that just because, like, I know how to tell a story, but I, I needed, like, a security blanket. I needed mm-hmm. something to reassure me that, like, there is a, that I'm not crazy, that this path I'm on uh, makes some kind of sense. Uh, and and I also think it's important to sort of, to learn structure, but also you know, if if the book you're reading or the you know the the, the how to whatever whatever you're you're learning from, if it if it feels wrong to you, if it's not helpful to you, it, you know, ignore it. Find find that stuff that speaks to you yeah. and that inspires you and thinks, oh, okay, that's how my brain works. Like this is going to be the most on brand statement <laughs> I've ever made, but one of my uh, one of my writing heroes is uh, the late great Stephen J. Cannell. And while he was alive, he had a website where he had his own sort of writing tutorial. And I remember him breaking down uh, the, you know, it was a three act, really four act structure for TV, which was, you know, in my first act, I put my hero of a tree. In my second act, I throw rocks at him. At my third act, I drop a house on him. And at my fourth act, I get him out of the tree. And to <laughs> me, that was like, that was like the most distilled version of a structure I'd ever heard. And I still you know, refer back to some of his little nuggets of wisdom of, you know, when you're stuck, try plotting from the antagonist's point of view. That was one, another one that stuck with me so that, you know, your bad guy's always in motion isn't just waiting for your hero to catch up to them, stuff like that. Uh, it's about finding what what speaks to you individually, I think. Absolutely. And and yeah, I think, Ellie, you touched on like these, the books serve as sort of the the craft component, right? Like it's the woodworking. It's the stuff you can learn uh, whether you use it or not. You're going to add something else. Sorry. No, I totally, I, I I think that's such a good way to put it. It's the stuff that you're able to learn. You can't necessarily learn. 
Well, I don't, but I don't you know. can't learn debatable. the art of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a level of, there's a, there's a certain element to it that you cannot learn, but structure you can. And, um, I think <clears throat> what Jay was saying was like, so on point also of like, take what speaks to you because that's showing probably what you need to work on as a writer. And similarly, yeah. I, it might've been one of your podcasts, Ben, because I used to listen to this podcast on my drive to the morning show. Cause I was like, I need to set myself up to be a good, you know, baby writer. Um, but <clears throat> for me, when I learned like, you want to make you want to hurt your protagonist so much. Like you want to like throw them, like you want to like, what can you do to make their lives so hard? Like more, more, more. And I think there was like a part of that, which I was like, oh, right. Maybe I'm not doing enough. Maybe that's actually can get harder for them. And the idea that you want to make it hard, you want to be hard on your characters, but easy on yourself. I don't know who said that, but that spoke to me as well. So I think it's like, if something's calling out to you in a book, follow it and if something's not then maybe you don't need it so i think trusting your instincts as you read is great yeah ellie you and i both teach at script anatomy and this this came up in the class i just started doing um about why new writers may not be so hard on their protagonists. Um, and I have ideas, but do you two have ideas? Well, one thing I do see a lot is very, um, people write very personal things or things that are based on in reality. And sometimes there's a disconnect I've seen between people wanting to write what really happened and people knowing. And, and I think part of my teaching when this happens is trying to get people to throw out the story and of what really happened right. so that they can write a cohesive story and then put in kernels of the truth. Yeah. Um, so I think sometimes people see themselves in their protagonists or are writing something and don't think story first. And mm-hmm. I'm a very story first person. So I think I try to always teach that. Um, and then I think another thing is like, there's so much talk about like likable characters. And I think people are afraid sometimes to really show the flaws. Hmm. And I don't know if that's true, but this is just something I see from some young writers where like they don't go flaw first. I'm like, introduce your character in a flaw state. Like let's see the flaw in every scene, you know? And I think sometimes there's some hesitancy there. Yeah. I think it's that. I think it's also, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, I agree with everything you just said. If, if people are basing something on, on, on a real life event that they skew too closely to it, uh, and it, it's real life is never quite as dramatic as we can make it. Uh, uh, or even, you know, I, I read a script, uh, by an emerging writer that was, um, it wasn't so much that the, the character, that she wasn't being hard enough on the characters. It was just some of the plot moves were so, they felt kind of contrived to me. Like I just didn't buy it. It ripped, mm. it ripped me out of, out of the script. And when I gave that note and she was like, Oh, well, you know, she, she argued the note of, of why she did it that way. And it was just like, well, you can, those, those reasons don't change the fact that it's still implausible. Right. And, and it's, it's, it's about finding stuff that feels authentic and, and feels real uh, and a lot of times that involves being hard on your protagonist. I have a new answer. 
Throw out the old one. Well, actually, everything about the personal stuff I still think is true, where it's mm-hmm. like, even if it is the craziest story in your personal life, it doesn't mean it's what ne- needs to happen next in this story right. that you're trying to tell about this person. But it's actually, I think the flaw thing was me talking around the real issue, which is not active characters. If your character's not actively going after a goal, they can't fail that yes. bad. They need to really right. want something and really be actively trying to achieve it so that they can fail so desperately in this goal. So I think a lot of times it's, um, this is the number one thing I see is like not having active enough protagonists. And if you don't have an active protagonist, you literally cannot harm them or be hard, be hard right. enough on them because what do they want? What yeah. are they going after? And right. I, yeah. I do think that's, it's related to what you were saying before, which is, you know, whether or not it's a personal story, I think very often new writers, but all of us are writing some version of ourselves as the protagonist. And we don't want to be mean to ourselves. Yeah. We want to let yeah. ourselves off the hook. Life's hard enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yes, I think that's absolutely like sort of the the core of the inactive character, right? A character has to make choices going after what they want. And those choices should lead to worse circumstances. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to start to wrap up um, by bringing up, you know, uh, Ali, you mentioned earlier, you are one of the rare writers who likes to write. Uh, I'm finding this rarer and uh, less and less rare. Uh, I'm finding this when I first started this podcast, you know, 12, 13 years ago, that was absolutely the thing I heard the most was I like having written. In the past five, six years, I'm hearing that a lot less. I'm hearing people enjoying the process. Um, And I don't know if that's coming with their age or a new crop of writer coming in, but let's, let's just start at the baseline here and ask, do you like writing? What about the process do you like? Uh, And Jay, let's start with you. Yeah, I I actually, I I love writing. It's, it's my favorite thing. I'm happiest when I'm at my keyboard. Uh, I'm, I'm a, a, I'm a creature of habit, so I'm not somebody you'll find in a coffee shop or, or like I'm always at my desk in my spot. Uh, and yeah, I, I like it. It can be frustrating, you know, that the plotting stages of it can be maddening. But uh, but I I like doing the work. I like finding, you know, that the, the, there's no better feeling than when you realize you've sort of subconsciously set up the solution to a problem you're struggling with, that you realize that the key is in an earlier scene. And if you just make a tiny adjustment, it fixes the thing that you're struggling with. Like that's like a drug. And it's uh, so it's, and and I, I think I like writing more now uh, than I did because I'm sort of, I finally recognized the process that, Mm -hmm. The days that, look, I wrote two sentences today, but I thought about it all day long. That still counts. That's still just part of the process. You're going to have those days where, you know, the words don't come, but your mind is still working. You know, I was watching TV the other night with my wife and paused it for a second. because I was like, oh, my God, I just figured out the thing that was bothering me all day long, that, that I made no yeah. progress all day. But at eight o'clock at night in the middle of television, I have to jot it down and, uh, you know, it, 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 it's, yeah, I love it. it it's love my favorite thing. That's great. And, and Ali, the same question, you like writing, what do you like about it? And, and has that always been the case? I think it has always been the case, even when I wasn't writing scripts. Um, 
although I definitely working as a journalist, there were times I did not like writing. <laughs> um, but I think from the time I was young, you know, I, I was writing screenplays just for fun when I was a kid. And it was something I was always really called to because I think it's just the magic of, I mean, the most cliche answer, but like the magic of storytelling, of getting to make believe and getting to make it up. And when you are, when it comes to you and you, when an idea comes to you and you accept the idea and you feel inspired by it, it's like, I don't know, I've never had any other experience in my life that's like that, of being in a flow state. And um, so I, I, yeah, and sometimes it's really hard. So I think as you get more sort of established in your career, the love for it can really diminish because of the new frustrations of it, of like, hmm. you know, you you work on this open writing assignment and it doesn't go and why did I even do it? Or you you write this pitch and it, it doesn't sell. And it's like, you know, there's this element of it that gets frustrating and financial and it becomes a job. And it can definitely, I think I went through a year or two of really feeling frustrated and sort of le losing some of that love for it. And it wasn't really until I had a new idea I was really excited about that I was like, right, this is why I'm doing it. This is, you you know, it, there's still something in me that is like drawn to this just for the pure love and passion of getting to sit down and create these stories and stay with these new characters and be in this world I'm, I'm building. So I think it's one of those things that goes through waves and I'm, I'm happy more people are saying they like it, but I wonder if in four years more people, you know, then it'll again, it'll be, you'll hear, I hate writing. Like, I think we just all right. go through waves in our life. Yeah. I'm yeah. Sorry, when I was younger, I, I, I think I lean a little more towards loved having written because I valued speed. I, mm. I was a fast writer and I'm still a pretty fast writer, but almost to my own detriment because I would blow through things and be like, I, I'm done. It's done. But was it good? <laughs> that's, that's the question. Like I, I would settle for good enough instead of really being hard mm -hmm. on myself. And, you know, as I've matured as a writer, I can now appreciate even the hard parts of writing. And that means going slow and doing one more pass, even though you're sick of it. And all of those things you have to embrace. It's not just about getting to the end of that first draft, although speed that should is, be celebrated. Speed is so real because when I was younger and I was like, I should take a pilot writing class. And I was like, no, because then it's going to be 12 weeks and then, or six weeks and I won't even have a pilot. Like that's insane. Like I was just like, I need to write it in a week or it's not. I was so obsessed with having yeah. finished it and having just done it. And now I'm like, yeah, it takes a long time to, you know, I can break yeah. story for, for two months and that's still a, a good use of my time. So I think yeah. I'm much more patient with yep. myself now. Well, and you, you learn new totally. skills and you learn what you are good at and what you're not good at. And, and so where to bear down on certain things. Um, and you have a different perspective. And But I think, you know, Ali, you mentioned this earlier, like the way you got back into loving it was to have a project that you were passionate about, that you couldn't wait to write. Like you have to be, you have to love that thing you're writing because it takes a long, because it is so hard, because the business parts of it are so difficult the yeah. project has to be something you care about. Yeah, exactly. Because otherwise, I think the business stuff really started to make me dislike the art, the act of writing. Yeah. And I think, I, you know, yeah. learning like now I've made this thing I love into this whole, this has to be my career. And I, I definitely struggled with that <laughs> um, <laughs> when I wasn't in a room, when I was developing on my yeah. own. And I think now 
And I think the hardest part for me, the part I don't like is when I'm trying to find the idea, when I'm circling all these ideas and I can't see the story and I don't know which to go with. And, you know, that's the hard part for me. And then when you have an idea you're excited about, that's what, yeah, that's what makes me fall in love with it. Absolutely. Um, We'll wrap up as we always do by asking what you are watching on television these days. And we started, (laughs) we started talking about this before we were rolling. Um, And I mentioned that like, this comes up in every general meeting we ever have. And we know it's coming, but we draw a blank. So Jay, you had some advice about this. Yeah, I will. uh, As we were talking before we started taping, I started jotting down the shows that I'm watching so I don't blank out. And I do that now before meetings. I'll just write them down. And I I don't need to bring the note with me to the meeting, but just the act of writing them down keeps it fresh in my mind because I will blank every single time. Or I can only think of some old show that I'm binging or, or, you know, you want to talk about stuff that's current generally. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'm loving last of us. I'm loving uh, poker face, uh, Abilo, uh, excuse me, Abbott elementary shrinking. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think those are the things that I'm really digging at the moment. Yeah, that's a good list. And, and Ali, when we talked about this, you know, before we were rolling, you mentioned how like you kind of want to talk about shows that are an extension of what you write, like that this is kind of your brand and I would like to write for this kind of show. Um, Presumably you watch shows that are not that also, but when you're in a meeting, what are the shows that you would bring up uh, as this is a thing that I could write? Yeah, because sometimes that, you know, sometimes the question is what are you watching? And sometimes the question is what show would you want to write for? Um, And the first time I got that question, I think I, had not prepared, but it was like when White Lotus, I think I said White Lotus in succession because I was like, I like dramas that have some comedy in them that have like a little mystery element. (laughs) Um, But I think that is something to think about before meetings. And I think what I'm watching now is White, uh, is The Last of Us and Poker Face and Paul T. Goldman, which is if you haven't seen it, like, I don't even know how I feel about it yet. I'm not finished, but I know that I want people to watch it. Yeah. It's um, so good. It's so fascinating. Yeah. It's really interesting. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I yeah, I don't want to say anything else about it. <laughs> These yeah, are I need answers. to check it out. Cause I keep hearing that it's weird and uh, I don't know anything about it other than that, like, I should watch it. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're in the so best position for it. My only disclaimer is I feel like I won't know if I like it until it's over. And I know the point of view of the show, Yep. but I do enjoy the pr- process of watching it and wondering what's going to, sort of the take that they're going to mm-hmm. have. Yes. Uh, listen, Jay, go watch it. We'll all reconvene and talk about it. <laughs> I feel like it's come up a lot on the podcast lately and everyone wants yeah. to talk about it, but like, Everyone also wants to make sure that everyone else has watched it. Uh, So everyone go watch it so we can all talk about it. Um, Ali and Jay, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I hope to see you both soon. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Super fun. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.